Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. Consider your ways. This command from God is stated twice in Haggai chapter 1. Whenever something this serious is not just written down, but repeated a couple verses later, it is certainly something for us to take note of and obey. Now, just imagine being one of the Jews who returned to Jerusalem after the Babylonian captivity. From 604 to 585, the Babylonian Empire besieged and wore down and eventually took captive essentially all of the Jews in different waves. And these Jews were kept there for about 70 years. And maybe some of them chose to stay even longer than that after a while, once the captivity ended. But some of the Jews, tens of thousands of them, went back. Particularly when the Babylonian Empire fell and the Persian Empire was raised up by God. So around 515 BC, when this Jewish captivity in Babylon ended, as prophesied in the Bible, these tens of thousands of Jews made their way back to Jerusalem, and they had a really huge, intimidating job to do. The Babylonians did not just enslave the Jews, but they destroyed the city and they destroyed King Solomon's temple, the house that Solomon built for God. But what a really motivating job these Jews had to have a fresh start, freed from captivity, able to build for God. Yet just about a decade or so later, the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, also known as the temple prophets, had a very hard message to deliver to these Jews. They came to Jerusalem with a warning from God because the Jews had already stopped this rebuilding project. They quit. Now, I said to imagine that. It is hard to imagine that because the Babylonians destroyed their place of worship, destroyed their city. Why would the Jews just settle in here without trying to fully rebuild everything? Weren't they indignant about what the Babylonians did? Weren't they motivated to make things right? 
Notice here Haggai 1, verse 2. This is the prophet Haggai, and he is speaking on behalf of God. This people say the time is not come, the time that the eternal's house should be built. Now, when I read that, I can almost just hear the shock and the disgust in Haggai's voice. He's repeating what the Jews were saying at this time, around 500 B.C., the time has not come to rebuild God's house. What a lethargic, lazy, sleepy attitude. The Babylonians destroyed God's house. The time to rebuild it was the moment they got back to Jerusalem. What were they waiting on? You just see there's no fire in these people for the most part. And it's pretty sobering to read this account. Haggai 1 verse 3 says, Then came the word of the eternal by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O you, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now the word sealed there is spelled C-I-E-L-E-D. It actually means luxurious. So this makes the whole situation even worse. Not only did the Jews return to Jerusalem and fail to rebuild God's house and take their sweet time to rebuild the wall and the city, but somehow they were living in luxurious houses during this entire time. The Jews had plenty of time to rebuild their own houses to build up a luxurious mansion or two for themselves. They just didn't have time to build God's house. What a materialistic focus. And you could see why God sent Haggai and Zechariah around the same time during this period of spiritual slumber among the Jews to try to wake them up. What are you doing? How are you just sitting around doing nothing when God's house lies in ruin? Here it is. Haggai one verse five. Now, therefore, thus says the eternal of hosts, consider your ways. This is a pretty condemning statement, a command from God to consider your ways. These Jews built luxurious houses for themselves and didn't think it was time to build a house for God. It was time to set themselves up with luxury, but not to show any respect to God. We have an excellent booklet available to you for free at thetrumpet.com. And it is titled Haggai 
God Has Begun to Shake the Nations, written by Philadelphia Church of God, Pastor General Gerald Flurry. Chapter 2 is also titled, Consider Your Ways. Consider your ways. It's in Haggai 1 verse 5. It's also in Haggai 1 verse 7, as we'll see in a moment here. And what meaning that command should have to all of us today. God's people today have a job to do, a work to finish, a lot of building, both physically and spiritually. And yet the spirit of this age is slumber. It's sleep. People are asleep to what is really going on around them in the world. People are asleep to God's presence. People are asleep when it comes to the important questions in life. People are asleep just like the Jews were back there around 500 B.C., when it was long past time to build God a house. It's still hard for me to even fathom this situation. It's, it's, it's really stunning that they would go back to Jerusalem excited and ready to build. And then just about a decade later, they're still living among the ruins the city is not repaired. God's house still hasn't been built. And yet they're living in mansions, essentially. Again, you would think that the Jews would be a lot more eager to undo the destruction of the Babylonians. But that just wasn't the case. But really, this mindset... This wrong mentality is understandable in some ways because it's so easy for us to fall into the same way of thinking. It's easy for us to fall asleep, get caught up in our busy day-to-day -day lives and lose focus of what's really important. The job we are here on this earth to do, the work we are here to finish before the second coming of Jesus Christ. There are things more important than sports and entertainment. We should be looking not down at a technological device, a screen, but up toward God. Our affections should be on things above. We should vanquish that materialistic mindset that allowed the Jews to build mansions for themselves, but no house for God. It is easier than ever today to fall into the very same trap that those Jews did anciently. God sent Haggai to correct those people, to correct the Jews for stopping the temple reconstruction. 
page 24 of the Haggai booklet. Mr. Flurry writes, Portions of the major and most of the minor prophets were written in a poetic style. Haggai is not. He wrote in rhythmic prose that is brusque, forceful, and direct. So basically, God wanted Haggai to get straight to the point and be very blunt in this warning. Of course, Haggai was there while the Jews built mansions for themselves, yet didn't build for God. Haggai, of course, would have been telling the people in person. He would have been speaking this message to them. The very fact that Haggai's message is written down, recorded in the Bible for us to understand, shows that this message is for more than just those Jews anciently. We have to learn from it too, to this very day. Especially in this age of slumber. We might say we would never do what those Jews did. Building luxurious houses for ourselves without building for God. And yet, in a lot of ways, we might do that without even realizing it. That's just the fact of it. It's easy to do it. King Solomon built the greatest temple for God physically of all time. He spent seven years building God a house. And it was magnificent. It made the Queen of Sheba essentially pass out. Seeing that house, seeing everything around the nation, all of the glory of ancient Israel. But Solomon spent 13 years building his own house. So even though Solomon built God something spectacular, he still placed higher priority on himself, on his own desires and lusts, his out-of-control materialism. Seven years on God's house, 13 years on his own house. As Mr. Flurry states here in the Haggai booklet, the, the book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible is a sobering example of what happens when we try to fill the void in our lives with material things. Solomon indulged beyond our wildest dreams in every type of physical pleasure. Exquisite architecture, lavish gardens. He had hundreds of wives and concubines and pretty much everything else you could think of physically. And of course, a lot of this was being funded. Well, pr pretty much all of it was being funded by the Israelite people, by the taxes on the people. Just like God warned them when they chose to be ruled by a king like any other nation, 
God warned them through Samuel, it's not going to be as nice as you think. You will pay a heavy financial burden for their pet projects, for them to satisfy whatever their hearts desire. And sure enough, Solomon made that prophecy come true. Now, this is not to attack Solomon. He wrote some of the most beautiful poetry and most powerful literature in the Bible. And he, he also wrote from the standpoint of his hard personal experience. It's extremely valuable for us to read what Solomon wrote, especially as he looked back on a life of unrestrained pleasure. Mr. Fleury wrote that Solomon became a candidate for suicide because of this approach to life. Mr. Fleury has given a Key of David television program about why Solomon hated life. And that's just how it goes when the priorities are out of whack. When we try to fill the void with pleasure. Now, the void I'm talking about is a void that every human being has. We are made incomplete. And we can only be completed by our creator. Our minds benefit from the human spirit. That's what allows us to think, to reason, to create, to design, to communicate in ways that the animals cannot. And that human spirit can combine with God's Holy Spirit. And that can give us the type of power we need to conquer the devil, to do God's will, to please our Father, and to really achieve the abundant life. But that's how we fill the void, with God's Holy Spirit, with God's truth, with God's law and government. We fill the void through a connection with God, not through materialism, not through luxurious houses like the Jews did anciently when they should have been building God's house. Matthew 6 verse 33, of course, says to seek first God's kingdom. If we put God first, then all the physical blessings will come anyway. Everything we ever would have wanted physically will come to us. The late Herbert W. Armstrong is a prime example of that truth. A man who endured 28 years of hard poverty. It's, it's just hard to even comprehend what he had to go through. And yet at the end of his life, he did have a nice house. He did have a pretty good standard of living and he used that to give back 
to God's people to give back to anyone else he hosted or spent time with. He was able to finish his life with some of the simple pleasures, with some of the finer things in life. But again, remember, he had to put God first, and that was the only way that he ever did experience that physical abundance later. Page 28 of the Haggai booklet, again, written by Mr. Gerald Flurry, available to you for free at thetrumpet.com, quotes Haggai 1, verses 6 and 7. This is getting into the second time in this chapter of Haggai 1 where God says, consider your ways. Haggai 1, verses 6 and 7 say, you have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink but you are not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earns wages, earns wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus says the eternal of hosts, consider your ways. You see, it's almost like the more we try to hoard riches and resources and wealth and all kinds of really lusts of the flesh to ourselves, the less we end up enjoying, the less pleasure we actually receive. It's like everything we are reaping, everything we are gathering or harvesting disappears somehow, like putting gold into a bag with holes and all the gold falls out the bottom. Mr. Flurry comments, on these verses, that this is why God's church in this end time fell apart. Page 28, they are suffering the cruel fate of cause and effect, but do not understand the cause for their desolation. Mr. Fleury explains how they wrecked God's spiritual house, God's church, by rebelling against God, by putting money and other physical things ahead of God. The church fell apart. The income disappeared because they weren't doing God's work anymore. They always talked about wise stewardship back then in the worldwide church of God. After Mr. Armstrong died in 1986, they were always looking to consolidate, to cut back on core parts of God's work just so they could have a little bit more money for themselves. And in the end, they stole hundreds of millions of dollars from God's people and from supporters of God's work and from God himself, ultimately. And yet for all that money, where are they now? God's work in that church disappeared. And it had to be raised up again in the PCG. They sowed much, and yet they have nothing to show for it today. Notice here later on in Haggai chapter 1, 
Verse 9 says, You looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. That That's a clear picture of maybe like gathering in wheat or or flour maybe maybe you fill a sack with those fine grains of flour and then what happens if someone blows really hard on it what happens if a storm whips in and the wind hits that flour sack that's that's open at the top the flour is going to scatter everywhere this is God blowing upon the things that we are trying to hoard to ourselves. The physical blessings we want to hog and put ahead of God. He'll just blow it all away. He has the power to do that and he will do that. So there is a lot to, to learn from the message of Haggai the prophet. A lot to learn from the Jews anciently who needed some strong correction for putting their luxurious houses ahead of building God's house. The sad thing is though, as it says here in Haggai one verse 12, just about a remnant of the people listened just a remnant. Mr. Flurry points that out in the Haggai booklet too. That's how it always is when God warns. Most people simply will not listen until it is too late. Just a remnant. Just the equivalent of crumbs, maybe a piece of crust, a bite of the filling out of the whole pie. Just a remnant of the people actually respond when God warns. So this is all about the right priorities putting God first, doing God's work, being filled with God's Holy Spirit, which empowers us to do the work. That's all that really matters. That's our purpose in this life, to serve God and prepare for the next life. It really is just so important to consider your ways. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.